From the Amazon to the Himalayas, God is accomplishing his mission. Welcome to Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. Stories and conversations with the global church and for the global church about the mission of God in the world. And now here is your host, Paul Aiken. Welcome to Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken. And in this episode, we're going to be having a conversation with Dr. David Garrison. David Garrison is a missionary veteran of 30 years. He's an author, and he also currently serves as the executive director of Global Gates. And we'll have more opportunity to hear about that organization and their work in a moment. Dr. Garrison has a PhD from the University of Chicago and is a well-known and well-respected missions leader in North America and around the world as well. I've known Dr. Garrison for over a decade, and I'm excited for you to hear from him today. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to be with you. Maybe start by just telling us briefly about you and your family. Uh, my family consists of my wife, Sonia, and uh, we've been married for 42 and a half years now. And we've got four kids uh, that are all grown. Uh, the last one's just finishing a, a double master's at Washington University in St. Louis, but the others are all launched and on their way. I mentioned in the intro that you have served overseas as a missionary for, for a long time. So tell us a little bit about maybe your ministry and your missionary background. Well, it, uh, it's pretty diverse, and so I won't chase too many rabbits, uh, Paul, but uh, we've, we've had an unusual missionary career, uh, living a lot of places, uh, beginning when I was uh, a 19-year-old in Japan, and uh, that gave me a, a bug to get back overseas, back to Asia. I met my first missionary journeyman while I was there, and a few years later, my wife and I went back to Hong Kong as uh, missionaries. I taught at Hong Kong Baptist College. Uh, went back to the University of Chicago, finished a, a doctorate there, met a guy named David Barrett. Dr. David Barrett was uh, editor of the World Christian Encyclopedia, and he introduced me to the ends of the earth. He called it World A. It's been called the 1040 window, but it began in my heart uh, sort of a magnificent obsession to uh, take the gospel to places where they had never heard before. And that led us uh, in the years that followed uh, to direct the non-residential missionary program with the International Mission Board that uh, opened up work into restricted access countries across the 1040 window. Uh, we later in 1992 took an assignment to Libyan Arabs and lived in North Africa studying Arabic in Egypt and Tunisia, and then um, became Associate Vice President for Global Strategy, working with uh, Dr. Avery Willis and. Jerry Rankin and continuing uh, the work into what was called New Directions, uh, reorienting the International Mission Board, uh, missionaries toward uh, people group focused strategies aimed at church planning movements. And that ultimately led us to uh, relocate to India where I served as the Southern Baptist uh, Director for uh, South Asia. We lived in India for six years and then uh, became global strategist for Evangelical Advance, which is a long title to say uh, I was working with a broader evangelical world uh, located here in Colorado, where so many, I think there's 200 plus agencies have offices in the Colorado Springs area. And so we began working with them, learning and sharing best practices and publishing best practices at fulfilling the Great Commission. 
And now the Lord has, has brought you back to the U.S. where you're serving with Global Gates. And I want to hear some about that in a moment. But when you think back on, obviously, you have many, many years of service. You just mentioned a whole host of places where you've lived and where you've served. You've seen God do some pretty re- remarkable things. But when you think back maybe on the last two, three, four years, what are some of the things that come to your mind? What are some of the, the highlights and some of the encouraging things that you can share with us? When I look back um, over a missionary career, and I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking, uh, uh, Paul, but uh, the things that have excited me is to see the what began as the non-residential missionary paradigm uh, become the strategy coordinator paradigm and really influence evangelicals across the spectrum to develop comprehensive strategies bathed in prayer, uh, grounded in God's word, but focused on unreached people groups with an aim of seeing them come to faith in Christ and to see multiplying uh, disciples and churches among them. That's been one of the most uh, encouraging things as we've seen that taken on a life of its own. It's also been encouraging to see movements uh, capture the heart and imagination of uh, mission organizations. There's now a whole uh, networks of mission organizations that are focused on seeing multiplying uh, disciple multiplication movements, church planning movements uh, sweep across every people group. And uh, that's been very encouraging uh, to me to see that become uh, so much a part of the vocabulary and the worldview of uh, missionaries as they go out thinking not just what can I do, but what's it going to take to complete the Great Commission, to finish the task of obedience to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in our lifetime. I mentioned that you serve now as the executive director of Global Gates, which is a missions organization based here in North America. Tell us a little bit about that organization. Well, you know, Sonia and I, from an early time, were called very much to the ends of the earth. And so we never really expected to be uh, located here in North America. But when I got a call one day from uh, Brad Wall, Brad Wall and Chris Clayman were the co-founders of, uh, of Global Gates. And uh, I got a call and uh, they told me, said, look, we're doubling in size every six months. We're trying to reach the world's least reached peoples that now have diaspora communities in our own Global Gateway cities in North America. Would you help us? And uh, I wasn't initially interested until I went and I saw what was going on and I saw that things had really changed. Global Gates has a a vision statement to reach the ends of the earth through Global Gateway cities. And uh, what's what's unique about uh, this ministry model is that it's tapping into um, a change that's happened in in the world today. A hundred years ago, there were people coming from all over the world to America. They were settling in New York and Los Angeles and, and other cities. But when they came, they sort of burned their bridges behind them. Uh, they, they thought they would probably never go back. Today, when these same immigrants are coming from much more remote places, from uh, the 1040 window, from the world's least reached corners of the world, they're coming into New York City. And before they even collect their bags at the baggage carousel, they're on their phones using WhatsApp, making a free call back to Bashkortostan. <laughs> And they're talking to their families. They're saying, hey, we made it. Uh, We're going to find a place. And as soon as we do, we'll call you and we want you to come and visit us. So this change in technology, in travel, in communications, in Internet has made these immigrant populations, these immigrant communities, not just an end in themselves, but a means to reaching the ends of the earth. They're literally portals, gateways through which you can pass from Queens, New York, from Harlem, 
from Watts, from uh, Miami, from Nashville, and you can step through them and you find yourself in Uzbekistan or Afghanistan or uh, Saudi Arabia, and they're staying in communication on a regular basis. And what we're finding, Paul, is that if we can reach them here, we can reach them at the ends of the earth because they're communicating good news that they receive in North America, and they're sharing it with their family and friends in the lands from which they come. That's really, really helpful. Uh, I want to dive maybe just a little bit deeper on that. There's lots of talk and discussion today. Like you mentioned, this is probably relatively new, maybe in the last decade or so, about the, the idea that the nations are coming to us in North America. Can you share some of your thoughts and perspective in terms of maybe how actively we need to be engaging in that type of work? <laughs> well, I think we need to be very active. Uh, you know, in Acts chapter 17, uh, Paul expounds on this idea of God ordaining uh, the boundaries, the locations, uh, the places where all the peoples of the earth would dwell. And what that says to us is that God brought these people here for a purpose. It wasn't the result of uh, bad immigration policy or, or someone lowering their guard. It's because According to Acts chapter 27, verse 17, God did this so that they might seek him, reach out for him and find him because he's not far from any one of us. What we found is that um, when these people come to America, they're looking to start a new life, to turn the page, to start a new chapter. And if we can share the gospel with them while they're here, we have a unique opportunity to introduce them to the reason that God brought them to this country. If, on the other hand, you know, we, we view them with suspicion and fear and we're afraid to connect with them or it's too much trouble to cross the cultural barriers to talk to them, then we basically leave them in darkness. And what happens is after a while, they build their own institutions, their own worldview. They begin to institutionalize it around them with Islamic centers or uh, Hindu centers. And uh, this becomes their worldview, reproducing what they left behind overseas. They bring it to America because we weren't here to share the gospel with them. So I think it's vitally important. My prayer is that every church in North America would become a missional church and would recognize that all these people, these different people, these strangers, if you will, that have come to move into their neighborhoods, God brought them here, and God brought them here for a purpose. Amen. I appreciate that perspective and the work that you all are trying to do there at Global Gates. I want to shift gears uh, a little bit. You're a missions leader. I mentioned that earlier, but you're also a well-known author. You've written books on church planting movements. You've more recently wrote a book on just kind of uh, the response in the Muslim world of people coming to faith in Christ. I want to know, I'm curious, are you working on any writing projects right now? Honestly, Paul, I've always got about six projects in the back of my mind that are in various stages of uh, fruition. But I felt like one of the most important things I could do these last few years is when we see something that really is a breakthrough where God is doing something phenomenal, something amazing that, that the body of Christ needs to know about it. It's not important that I wrote it. It's important that the body of Christ uh, have access to it. So I've had the privilege of working with uh, several great missionary authors in the last few years to help edit their books, to help publish their books, and to help uh, disseminate their books. Uh, one of those was written by Victor John with uh, Dave Coles. It's called Bojpuri Breakthrough. I can send you a 
a clip of it, a, a 3D image of the cover, if you want to put that on your uh, website. But it's, uh, it's going back and visiting one of the first church planning movements that I discussed and described in uh, church planning movements way back in uh, 1997, I guess, when that book first came out. Was that right? Yeah, about 1997, the little booklet. And Beaujolais Breakthrough looks at a movement that one of our Southern Baptist missionaries, uh, David and Jan Watson, helped to launch. And we're looking at it now 25 years later. And what's amazing is that that movement now numbers, uh, according to their critics, it numbers over 12 and a half million baptized believers. And it's continuing to multiply new movements in surrounding people groups. So Bojpuri Breakthrough is really a, a story of a church planning movement in midlife. And I thought that was important for us to see and to understand. It's a wonderful story because um, a lot of people, when they saw church planning movements, they said, you know, is this just a flash in the pan? Will it be gone tomorrow? Does it have any permanence? Well, here's one that 25 years later continues to multiply. Another book I helped uh, a wonderful missionary couple, Ying and Grace Kai, edit and uh, produce. It was originally written in Chinese. It's called Ying and Grace Kai's Training for Trainers, the movement that changed the world. And this is uh, a looking again at a movement that uh, began around uh, December 2000. So we're talking about a movement about 20 years old that has now spread its, um, its wonderful uh, principles and practices into uh, settings all over the world. And part of what Ying and Grace Kai's book does is it, it actually uh, pulls in examples and stories and vignettes from Europe, from uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, from the Middle East, from uh, Soviet, what was Soviet Central Asia, down into uh, India, even Madagascar and New Zealand, uh, China, all these different places, as well as North America, where T4T has produced, T4T is what they call training for trainers, has literally produced hundreds and hundreds of thousands of born-again believers, new disciples in Christ who are multiplying churches around the world. So that's kind of what I've been doing more than writing my own books is helping others get their books written. One, if I can mention one more book, I'll just briefly mention Chris Clayman, the co-founder of Global Gates. Uh, I'd heard so many times Chris's story of being a short-term missionary in West Africa, in Mali, West Africa, with an unreached people group called the Wasulu. And he was just beginning to get traction. He had moved into the village with him, was learning their language. And um, malaria struck him down. Chris, uh, his organs actually began to fail, was medevaced out of the country. Uh, spent about a, a year or two just learning how to walk again. And as soon as he could, he went back to Mali, went back to the Wasulu, lasted a month, sadly, before he was medevaced out again, uh, thinking that, uh, that God had maybe frustrated somehow his sense of calling and, and asking God, what, what's the purpose in this? Uh, the Lord led him to New York City, where Chris, uh, one of the first guys he met uh, in Harlem, was a Wasulu man who had come to faith in Christ through dreams and visions and said, I've been praying for 24 years for someone to help me reach my people. He said, you're that person. So Chris and his family moved into New York City. They began working with the Wasulu and with other West African Muslim people groups, over 100,000 West African Muslims living in Harlem. And Chris and his family planted their lives there and discovered that through their relationships with West Africans in New York, God was opening up doorways back into West Africa. 
and they were not only able to start some of the first churches in history among the Wasulu here in America, through those relationships, they were able to start the first ever Wasulu church back in Mali, West Africa. So that was really the beginning of Global Gates. Chris has written up that story in a book called Super Plan, A Journey into God's Story. And uh, I commend that to, uh, to your listeners. It's a wonderful adventure on uh, following God and letting God take you through all the different twists and turns of uh, life on mission with Him. Thanks for, for sharing all that. It's encouraging. Uh, I want to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask kind of both sides of the question in terms of both encouragement and concern, but I want to begin with encouragement. As you think about global missions today, kind of broadly, what encourages you? Well, I think the thing that encourages me most is that it's truly global today. You know, for a long time, it was sort of the, the white man's burden back in America and England and Northern Ireland, how many thousands of missionaries went out from Northern Ireland and a few places in Western Europe. Today, it's literally uh, spread all over the world. And we have missionaries who are called by God, empowered and equipped by God. They're coming out of Sub-Saharan Africa. They're coming out of South Asia, East Asia, literally uh, Latin America, literally every corner of the world is, um, is participating in God's global mission. And that, that greatly encourages me. I want, in this next question, I'd love for you to fill in the blank. The biggest challenge in global missions today is blank. Externally, the biggest challenge in global missions today is, and this may surprise you, it's population explosion. The world's population continues to grow so rapidly that lostness is compounding exponentially. And if we don't have methodologies and a, a vision, a mission vision that includes movements and multiplication, then what it means is we're simply falling farther and farther behind in terms of lostness in the world and eradicating lostness in the world. Now, this is a challenge for those of us who feel like we've got the right answer and we just need to plant a church that looks the right way. And it may take 5, 10, 15 years to establish that church, but it's going to be worth it. And what I would say is people are dying and going to hell in unprecedented numbers today because of population explosion. And if we can get Jesus to them, if we can commit them to the authority of God's word and the lordship of Jesus Christ in their life, he will lead them in the direction that he desires them to go. He will make them fully equipped for every good work. So that's the challenge. And it's not going to go away anytime soon. It's the challenge for the next 5, 10, 20 years is population explosion. And a lot of other things are corollary to that. Pollution that we see in the world, conflicts fighting over water, fighting over uh, resources. A lot of this is related to population explosion, and the best solution to it is to plant uh, Jesus Christ in the hearts of every man, woman, and child on earth. Yes, that's, that's very humbling, but also a task worthy of our time and energy and attention, for sure. When you, one of the things I've loved about you, David, is you're, you're a forward thinker. Uh, you, you're always looking ahead. So when you think about the future of global mission, the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 20 years, what are some trends? What are some things that you see for the future of global mission? Well, one thing I've already alluded to is the importance of movements. Movements are critical. We're also seeing that diaspora populations are going to be critical to the future of missions. This is one reason we're working with Global Gates. We didn't abandon the foreign fields. We've we're taking a different tack on them and seeing a different way to reach them. 
Uh, right now, uh, the world is seeing the greatest migration of human populations in history. We've never seen so many people on the move, something like 65 million. And even as I give these numbers, they're going to be in, in, in flux and dynamic. We're seeing refugees and immigrants and people on the move. These are, uh, can be seen as a threat, as an impediment uh, to fulfilling the Great Commission, or they can be seen as an opportunity. Uh, my wife, uh, Sonia, and I spent some time on uh, Lesbos Island earlier this year, where uh, thousands and thousands of uh, immigrants have uh, swam across or boated across in little makeshift rafts from Turkey into the European Union, specifically this little island that's a part of Greece. And as we walk through and talk to these people, they are all so open to the gospel. It's such an incredible opportunity to share with them and to see them impact their people back on the other side of the world. So that's a, a second uh, trend in the future of global missions that really needs to be exploited further for the sake of Christ's kingdom. One last one I would say is just this technological boom that's taking place. You know, the, the knowledge base is compounding exponentially. There's so many more things we can do today, but sometimes we as Christians are a little afraid of those. We've got a little bit of an Amish uh, bent in us, you know, that's afraid of anything that's, uh, that's modern. I prefer instead to take the position that, that Paul espoused uh, in the New Testament that we bring every thought captive under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This means that uh, there's nothing, no breakthrough, no truth, no instrument that cannot be... Um, brought under Christ's lordship. Now, in some cases, he'll say, no, that's immoral. Don't do that. And we need to respond uh, under his lordship to obey him. But there's so many things we can do now using social media, using communications, uh, using these uh, diaspora population relationships that require us to be avid learners of, uh, of what God is bringing alive in our day so that we can fulfill God's purposes in every arena of life. David, this next question is a little bit more personal. It's a question that I ask everyone that I interview. Uh, and the question is, day after day, week after week, and month after month, what keeps you doing what you're doing? And why are you giving your life to this work? That's a wonderful question, Paul. And to me, it's, uh, it really speaks more of what God is about. I think there was a time when uh, Jesus' disciples uh, were starting to wander off, and he turned to the 12. He said, are you going to leave too? And one of them said, well, where would we go? You, know, you alone have the words of life. And I look at this, and, and there's a lot of other things I could do, uh, a lot of other things that might be interesting, that might have certain amount of enrichment to it. But for Pete's sake, why would anyone want to do anything other than what God is about? <laughs> I mean, this is the, uh, these are the words of life. This is the eternal story. This is salvation history. And as a, as a Christian, to be able to participate, to swim in that ocean, in that stream is worth it all. So I do have days, yeah, where I'm in a funk or maybe I'm distracted or I'm, uh, I'm wavering. But boy, those are depressing days because there's nothing greater than the joy of being a part of what God is doing and being on mission with him and to sense his joy and his life and uh, flowing through you and being a part of that. So I commend that to anyone. If you haven't found that joy and that reason to get up every day, uh, you're missing it and it's waiting for you. Last question. What is one thing you want everyone listening to this podcast to know or to do? 
Yeah, I think especially coming out of this this contentious, polarized season, <laughs> bathed in the economic recession and coronavirus and polarized politics. One thing I would want everyone listening to this podcast to know or do is to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, recognizing that um, everything in this world is imperfect, it's flawed. Uh, there's not a pure good and a pure bad in the heart of every bad. There's some goodness in there. There's the image of God in the heart of the best people. There's uh, there's selfishness and there's waywardness. But if you keep your eyes on uh, on God, on Jesus, who continues to challenge, continues to exceed our expectations, you will be transformed. And that's my prayer and my wish for everyone listening to this podcast so that you can be a part of what God is doing in the world and enjoy the privilege of being his child and his servant. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Garrison today. Please pray for Global Gates and the work that they're doing in cities all across North America. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to Amazon to the Himalayas. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.